Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Okay, so those funny baptism videos, right? Um, if, if you think about it, yeah, I, when, I, when I do these lessons, I try to put myself in the position of somebody who's not a Christian, like maybe who's never been to church, has never read the Bible, doesn't know anything about Jesus. And if you were to come to a church service, think about this, um, and maybe this is you, maybe you're not a Christian, this is your first time at church, but if you, those of you that come regularly like me, if you came to a church service, you'd never been to church service before, and all of a sudden, you know, the service is over, and before the service is over, they're like, got you one more time, but you look, and there's this little, like, little hot tub in the back of the auditorium, is that, and you're like, is that where all the pastors hang out after a good sermon, or like, you know, what goes on back there, and then there are two people in there, and the one guy dunks somebody else. You're like, what in the world is going? Think about it. If you weren't a Christian, wouldn't baptism seem kind of like the process of being baptized? Wouldn't it come across maybe a little odd to you? Truth is, we do things as Christians that, Gabe, we're up here. We do things as Christians that to the world probably seem maybe a little odd, and baptism's one of them, right? And then to compound it, you know, these are even more odd because you got guys cannonballing into the baptistry. Um, which, now, you know, you see those things, you're like, man, I should have tried that one <laughs> when I got baptized, right? So, um, tonight what we're going to talk about is a passage in Scripture. It's a, it's a story in Scripture, and a lot of it has to do with being baptized, because it was something that I thought we needed to talk about as a youth group, was, is what it means to be baptized. But here's the problem, and here's what I remember from youth group and what I remember as a teenager, and I still remember, it still kind of happens to me now. Anytime somebody's like, we're going to talk about being baptized tonight, if you've already been baptized, what, what, do you, what do you tend to do? You're like, check out, right? Already been there, already done that, got the t-shirt to prove it, you know. I don't need to listen to anything he has to say tonight. I can go play some, yeah, I can go play some Madden, Madden Mobile. Anybody play Madden Mobile on their phone? Are you guys? No? Okay. Um, Gabe does. Okay. So here's the danger. If you check out, you're going to miss a lot. Because I would say maybe just 20% of what we're going to learn here tonight has to do with being baptized. And the rest of it has to do with, A, what it means to be a Christian, and B, how to become a Christian. So please don't check out. Just because we're talking about a story that has to do with baptism, it's about so much more than that. It's about so much more than that. So here's the question, and here's what I want you to think about. After your, what is God calling you to do? Isn't it weird that people gather, around, gather at a church, like we gather on a Wednesday, a lot of people go to church on Sunday. Why do they even show up? Why do people gather together? Why do people so excited about being a Christian? What, what, is, what is God calling them to do? Sometimes if you go to church, you think all you're supposed to do is just go and attend a Sunday service. And that's it. Is that all Christians do? They just kind of go hang out with other Christians, and that's what it means to be a Christian? Kind of like a country club type thing? It's really not what it is. God is calling, whether you're, you've been a Christian pretty much like, yeah, I got saved real early. Like God, yeah, I put my faith in God at five years old, so I have a hard time remembering what my life was like before I was a Christian. So whether you've been like pretty much a Christian since... You know, you're four or five years old, whether you're a new Christian or you're just learning what it means to be a Christian or whether you're just like, my friend brought me here and I have no idea what's going on. God is calling you to do something tonight. And what I, what I hope you understand as we look through this passage is that God is calling you to do something. What is God? What does God want me to do? I thought I had a slide there for that, Jake. Do I have a slide? It's got Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton on it. <laughs> the question we ask a lot, no matter what happens, 
is where is God? We got into this in our high school prayer time. Because we're like, somebody was like, hey, it's a praise that Hillary didn't get elected, but is it really, is that really, was it, was it, was God in that? Was that, was that, or can we see God in that? I don't know. Some people say yes, some people say no, right? But what we do know is God has a plan and God has a purpose. I understand that. But there are things that happen in our life and we struggle to see God. We say, where's God? You know, where's God? Because my friend passed away. You know, where's God? Because I no longer have my grandma in my life. You know, where's God? Because I got dumped last week by my boyfriend. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? And I look at things that are going on in my life and I'm like, how can I see God working in that? Where, you know, what, what's God's doing in that? And probably you probably have something going on in your life, and you're probably thinking to yourself, man, if God is real or if God loves me, he sure has a funny way of showing it because my life's a mess. My life is a hot mess. Where is God? So we look about, we, we see what our nation's doing, and everybody's hating on each other. Even after the election, I was like, I'm so thankful the election's over. And then it's like 10 times worse today, people hating on each other, whether you're a Trump person or a Hillary person. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, so we're like, where, where is God? Can I, can I submit to you that what we're going to talk about tonight, I think you're going to see him. And I think you're going to be able to see where he is in your life and what he's calling you to do. There are three steps that I believe, no matter where you are, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a non-Christian, whether you're in middle school or whether you're in high school, God is calling you to take one of these steps. So... Tonight, I guess the one line you're going to hear me say over and over again, and I have a little motion to go along with it, so I want you to see it. The little motion is, you got to take that next step. Okay? I'll do it a couple times so it's burned into your mind, you know, like one of those mental images you can't get out of your mind. God is calling you to take the next step. Okay? So the question is, in your life, what is the next step that God is calling you to take? So if you have your Bible, open, open up to Acts chapter 8. Open up to Acts 8. This is a really incredible story. And just to kind of set this up, the church, and when I say church, I mean Christianity, is only, it's only like a year old. It's, 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 it's not even some, depending on what scholar you read, some like there's this big gap in between the chapters in Acts, and some say no, but the church is very young probably just a couple years old at the most, and they all have been meeting in this one central city called Jerusalem. All the Christians were in one city, and then all of a sudden, everybody in that city is like, we don't like Christians anymore. We're going to arrest Christians, kill them, and put them in jail. Well, I mean, either kill them or put them in jail. It wouldn't make much sense to kill somebody and then put them in jail, but you know what I mean. So it's bad to be a Christian at that time, so the what do Christians do? They scatter. They're like, we got to get out of Jerusalem. It's not safe to be over there. So some of them move over here to Europe. Well, Europe would actually be over here. You know, some of them move over here to Europe. Some of them go east. No, it, it, from my perspective. Okay, I'll do it from your perspective. Some go up here to Europe. Some go east. And then some go down to Africa. Okay, so, be, so the persecution made the church go and scatter. One of the scatterers was a guy named Philip. And we're going to read his story starting in verse 26. So read along with me. If you don't have a Bible, good news, it's on the screen. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Now the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go down, go south. 
to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the, I practice this word now, I can't say it, Kandake, I think it's actually Kandaki, um, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting on his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is, what the pas- this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, what, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture, with that very passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them, baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Whoa, teleportation. To suddenly took Philip away. Legit teleportation. It's in the Bible. Took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared to Azotus and traveled around preaching the gospel in all towns until he reached Caesarea. So, we're going to make a couple observations from what we read here, but you understand what happens, right? I'm going to do a Matt McClay abridged version of the Bible. Philip is told by God, go that way. So, what does Philip do? Because he's obedient. He, go- he goes that way. And then, Philip, when he gets closer to this, to where God wants him to go, God says, go talk to that guy on the side of the road. So what does Philip do? He goes and talks to the guy on the side of the road. And then as he's talking to this guy, this guy is reading part of the Jewish scriptures, the book of Isaiah. And he's like, and and this guy's like, I can't understand what I'm reading. And Paul, er, and, and, and Philip explains it to him. And then the man's like, wow. And he believes in Jesus. And then there just so happened to be this like shallow pool of water in the desert, which that's not a God thing, is it? There's a shallow pool of water in the desert, and, the, and, and, the, and the, this man that Philip met says, well, here's water. You want to just dunk me here right now, baptize me? So, boom, it happens. And then, pretty cool, Philip, all of a sudden, it says the Spirit came on Philip, and he was gone. And he, he literally moved him somewhere else. So, can you imagine, like, being teleported? Like, you blink your eyes, and then all of a sudden, you're, like, in London or something crazy like that. <laughs> It'd be like Inception. Um, but that's what's going on. So you've got Philip, and Philip was not an apostle. Philip was not a disciple. Although we read about one named Philip, this, was, this, this Philip was a deacon in one of the churches. So he wasn't necessarily a pastor. He wasn't a, a, an apostle. He was a deacon. He was just a faithful servant of God. He was someone who said, God, I'll do it wherever you want me to go. He was kind of fleeing from persecution, and God comes and says, go do this. And he doesn't. Then the guy that Philip meets, it says he was a couple, it says a couple things about him. First, it says that he was an Ethiopian. What do we think of, you just shout it out, what do you think of when you think of Ethiopian now? You think of what? Okay, there, it's actually a lot of Islam right now in Ethiopia. Um, 
Yeah, it's a place in the yeah, it's a place in, in Africa. What is Ethiopia known for right now? Anybody? There's a big problem in Ethiopia. You see TV commercials about it. Oh, Kate Lowe for the win. Starvation. Ethiopia is a very poor, right now, is a very poor country. There's a lot of drought going on. So it's, it's very sad. There are, there are a lot of kids that are actually, and, and adults too, that are dying because simply they don't have enough food there. But 2,000 years ago, when the church began and when Philip was traveling, Ethiopia was one of the wealthiest countries in the world. It's crazy how stuff like that changes. But Ethiopia had all, had a, t- probably more than a ton, <laughs> tons and tons of gold, and they were very wealthy. And this man was an Ethiopian, so he came from a wealthy country. The second thing we learn is that he was a eunuch. I'm not going to get too detailed as far as what that means, but just like you take your dog to get spayed and neutered, this guy had been done the same way. And the reason they do that is because he was in charge of and directly reported to the queen of Ethiopia, one of the richest countries in the world. And he was in charge, it says, of her treasury. He was in charge of all the gold. So he was somebody that was in a very prominent and a very important position. So it wasn't some guy, lone guy, in a chariot on the side of the road. It, he probably had an entourage. He probably had, you ever seen in, in like movies, the guys that are like waving the, like, the fans and stuff in the desert. Like he had the entourage. He was important. And, and Philip gets to tell him about Jesus. So it's really awesome. But I want to make a couple observations from what we read here. Um, and um, if, you, if you miss one of these or you don't get to write one down or you just don't feel like writing it down and tomorrow you, you're thinking, man, I'm trying to remember what we talked about. You can get on our Refuel app. Just look up Refuel on the App Store, and you can find the notes from tonight, so don't stress it. But the first observation that we make is that the more you follow God, the clearer your purpose becomes. You know what's really interesting here? It says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's not very detailed instructions, is it? That's a little ambiguous, isn't it? God pretty much just says, go that way. Walk that way. <laughs> what, if, what, if, like, what if you were on West P Ridge there, and I just told you, I was just like, Ryan, just go walk that way. <laughs> well, Ryan's a good guy. You know, most of you would be like, walk that way? Where am I going? Who am I supposed to meet? Do my parents know where I'm going? Like, you're asking, and you're asking all these questions, right? Um, do sometimes your teachers give you, a, like, an assignment, and you don't, like, they don't give you all the instructions, so you're just trying to, like, figure out, like, what in the world does he want? What in the world does she want? Right? We see no record of Philip asking God, God, why do you want me to go that way? Don't you know it's hot? This is like the Middle East. This is like the big sandbox of the world. It's like 135 degrees. You want me to walk down a road? What does Philip do? He does it. God says, go that way. What does Philip do? He goes that way. And then, if you keep reading, it says, um, as as, as Philip's walking down this road, um, in, uh, in verse 27, on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. And then what does God say? The Spirit of the Lord told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So you've got two commands, right? And each command gets more specific. It's, he says, go down that road. So Philip starts going down that road. As he's going down that road, I wonder if he's thinking, like, is this it? Am I just supposed to walk the whole road until I drop down dead? And then all of a sudden he sees somebody down the side of the road and God says, go talk to that person. Say all that to say this. 
the more you follow God, the clearer your purpose becomes. The best way I could describe God's will is kind of like a funnel. Guys, if you don't have a greasy funnel in your garage, you're not a man. Um, But if this is your life, you try to spend your life on something that's important and on something that has a purpose, right? So if this is the most important thing in your life and you're right here, what are the chances of you hitting the most important thing in your life? Oh, I almost got a little bit, maybe. So it doesn't work out very well, does it? But that's what we do in our lives to try to find purpose, don't we? We're like, oh, well, maybe my life will have purpose if I have a boyfriend. Maybe my life will have purpose if I play basketball. Maybe my life will have purpose if I run track. Well, I'll tell you, all you get out of track is a shattered, a shattered hip, right? Um, maybe my life will have purpose if I run track. Maybe my life will have purpose if I join show choir. And we try all these things to have purpose, and God tells us to do something. What does God tell us to do? He tells us to have faith in Him and to trust in Him, but you're like, well, I don't know God very well. I don't know where my life's going to be if I trust in God, so I don't know if I want to do that. Just like God told Philip down here, he said, Philip, go down that road. But Philip had so much faith, he's like, God tells me to go down the road, I go down it. But here's the interesting thing. Following God is like going through a funnel. It starts out very basic and very simple, what God tells us to do. What does God tell us to do? He he tells us that we're supposed to spend time with Him and we're supposed to love Him. We're supposed to love His people and we're supposed to reach out to others. Very, very simple things. And God tells us to do something. We don't know where He's going with this. God, if I start following you, where does that that mean I'm going to go to college? And what kind of career does that mean? And We don't know that yet. God doesn't tell you that yet. But the further you follow God, the more focused your life becomes and the more likely you are to be able to find purpose in your life. Make sense? I'll tell you a story. We're going to spend more time on this point than all the other points, so don't don't worry about getting out late. Um, I'll tell you my story. I was out of college. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I thought I was going to, like, argue cases before the Supreme Court and then run for Senate and then run for president. So you would have been voting for me instead of Trump or Hillary. Is that maybe a little better scenario? Um, (laughs) But I got out of college, applied to law school, got into law school, decided I wanted to wait to go to law school because the lawyer that I job shadows was was a big jerk. They're not all jerks, but this one just happened to be a jerk. And uh, I was like, I really don't know if this is what I want to do with my life. So I stayed here and I worked here. And then as I was doing that... um, the youth leader at the time was like, hey, we really need someone to volunteer with this, like, group of middle schoolers. I was like, well, I'm out of college. I don't want to hang out with old people at church. So, yeah, I'll hang out with middle schoolers. So, yeah, I, I hung out with this, like, group of, like, four or five middle schoolers, and then stuff happened, and then it's like, well, why don't you just take all the middle schoolers? And I was like, well, that's fine. Still don't want to hang out with the old people, and um, you know, still don't know what I'm doing, so why not? And you know, the more I did it, the more I realized this is really my purpose, and this is really what I love to do. And then it was like, hey, what would you think about being our next youth pastor? And by that point, 
I was down here. And I knew exactly what God wanted me to do. And to be honest, I didn't even know I was jumping in the funnel <laughs> when I started working with this group of like two or three or four middle schoolers. But when God says to do something, you just follow. And the more you follow and the more you trust, the more clear and purposeful your life becomes. So that's the first point. It's kind of the longest point. The next point is very simple. God speaks. Look to the person next to you and say something, anything. You can, say so, you can literally say something. You can say anything. Okay? We understand the concept of communication, right? Well, guess what? Just like, okay, back up here. Maybe that was a bad idea. Just like, just like that person turned to you and spoke to you, God speaks. We see three ways, three verses that show God speaking to Philip and speaking to this Ethiopian eunuch. The first is... Uh, chapter, uh, or, or chapter 8, but verse 26. The Lord said to him, it was actually an angel of the Lord, said to him, go that way, remember? So God spoke to Philip through an angel, through somebody. Sometimes God uses people to speak to us. Has God ever used a person to make you aware of something in your life that you didn't realize was going wrong? We don't always take too kindly to that. But God uses people to speak. He also uses His Holy, He speaks through His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go talk to that Ethiopian eunuch. The, the Holy Spirit, and, and we don't have any description in the Bible of, as to whether it was, it was an, an, audible, an audible voice or whether this is to convey that it was, it, it was a, a pulling of uh, Philip's heart a burden that he put on Philip's heart to go talk to that Ethiopian eunuch. But if you've been a Christian and you've been trying to follow God, what you'll realize is God puts things on your heart and you try to sleep it off and you can't sleep it off and you, and you, um, you try to focus on something else and you focus on something else and you, try to, and you try to tell yourself, that's a ridiculous idea, I just need to forget about it. And you can't stop forgetting about it. Sometimes God puts people and he puts places on your heart and that's how he talks to you. And then finally... And this is the foolproof one. I mean, they're all foolproof, but this is the one that I can tell he's, I can tell you right now he's talking to each and every one of you right now through this, is he talks to us through Scripture. In Acts um, um, 8, verse 33, it says, Philip ran over, which I think is pretty cool, when the Holy Spirit told him to do something, he didn't just walk over, he ran over, he got the wheels turning. Um, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. This book contains the word of God. You want to know what God thinks about things? Open your Bible. You want God to speak to you? You know what God spoke to me this morning? He shouted at me this morning as I was reading Romans chapter 10 during my regular time to read the Bible. I, God talks to me every day through the Bible. It's pretty awesome. And by the way, a little commercial here. If, 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 you, if you start pulling the, and people do this, I try not to do this, but sometimes people do this. You ever met somebody who pulled the, well, God told me to, it just so kind of happens to go along with exactly what they want to do. Like, God told me to go out with you. And then a week later, God told me we need to break up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't think God had it. I don't think that was it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, or, you know, yeah, God told me to do this or God told me to do that. Have you ever compared what you think God is telling you to do to this? Because I promise you these are the perfect words of God. So it's very important for us to make sure we know that it's God telling us to do things, that it's not just thoughts in our heads or thoughts that somebody else is putting in our heads. So, but God speaks. God speaks. Some of you, God is calling to believe in him for the first time. 
Some of you, God is calling to step out in obedience. But God, God, God does speak. Um, the next is people are more open than you think. Whenever I talk about sharing faith with others, I'm like this too, I think. Nobody's going to want to hear me tell them about Jesus. Like, you think, of the, you think of people and how closed off they are. And think about what Philip was running from. What was Philip running from? He was about to get his hiney whipped by a bunch of people that hated Christians, right? That's why he was running away from Jerusalem. And then God tells him, go tell that guy about me. I wonder if he's thinking, man, I could get killed. Nope, everybody hates Christians. But you know what? Philip follows God and is obedient to God, and he talks to that person. What, what, what ends up happening with this guy? He is the most open guy ever. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me what this Bible verse means. There's not much more of an open invitation than that, is there? People really are searching. You know, people act all big and tough, and, and, and especially, guys, I think, well, guys and girls do, but guys, you know, guys would never admit that they're searching for purpose and searching for meaning. Like, you're never going to hear a guy say, I'm just searching for more meaning in life. <laughs> but we are, aren't we? We want to we wanna know what's real, and we want to we know we matter. And, and you girls are like, you want to know you matter, and you want to know that there's something bigger than you and something greater than this world. People really are searching. The question is, and it's going to get to the next point. You can go to the next point, Jake. The question is, are you willing to give them the answers? Because you do have the answers. Does this picture strike fear into your heart like it does mine? Like, I haven't been, like, I don't think I've taken a Scantron test for like four years, but there is nothing that strikes fear into my heart more than those bubbles in a number two pencil. Anybody else like that? Get a good hearty mm about that, right? And uh, <laughs> do you still have you youngins, do you still have the math books that have all like the odd number problems in the back of the book and have the answers? Isn't that like the greatest thing ever? And then your teacher assigns the even numbers. But isn't it awesome to have the answers, to know you've got them? And I was always one of those, like, I had this real guilty conscience, so even if they did give me odd numbers, I had to do my work first and then check them because I didn't want to cheat. Um, but isn't it nice to know you have the answers? People are looking for the answers that you have. I'm not even joking. People are looking for the answers you have. But how often are we like this? We don't want anyone to know that we got the answers. Meanwhile, people are screaming and shouting and clawing and searching for hope and forgiveness and meaning and purpose. Who is the person that is the most desperate at your school right now that needs the answers that you have. People, people are asking questions, and you have the answers. You may not have the fanciest words, but you've got the word. You've got the answers. Why don't, why don't we share them? It's, it's so awesome, and I wish I had more time about this. But um, He's like, this, this Ethiopian eunuch, he's got this portion of the book of Isaiah, and he's reading it and reading it and reading it. He can't figure it out, and he needs somebody to help him figure it out. It's just like people that are going through life, and, and they kind of think there's a God, and they kind of could see it working, but they can't figure out how in the world can God let this happen, and how in the world can Christians believe this, and they just need somebody. They need somebody to figure it out. It's really interesting. This Ethiopian guy, he was not Jewish. He was Ethiopian. He was, where was he coming back from? 
He was, our pastor pointed this out a couple weeks ago when he spoke on this passage. He was coming back from Jerusalem. It said he was worshiping at the temple. Why in the world would an Ethiopian who is not Jewish worship at the temple? It's because he was searching for something. It was driving him crazy. You have the answers to the questions they're asking. If you keep going, in verse 39, we realize that obeying brings joy. You read this, you know, you know what happens here? The, um, this, this Ethiopian, gotta love inside out. The, um, um, Philip baptizes this Ethiopian eunuch, and when he comes back up, and then Philip does this really cool teleportation thing away, and he's gone. He's, this Ethiopian eunuch is standing there, and his world has just been rocked. He just found out who Jesus was. He just learned the good news of the gospel. He just, everything began to make sense, and he has a purpose. And what does it say? It says he went on, he, he never saw this Philip teleportation guy again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Before he met Jesus, when he was sitting in that chariot, he was searching through the scriptures and he was frustrated. Does this sound like you? He was frustrated. He was confused. He had no purpose. And then all of a sudden he found out about Jesus. He found out that Jesus died for him that his sin debt was paid on the cross, that he could have forgiveness, that he could have hope, that he could have a, an eternal home in heaven, and you better believe he went on his way rejoicing. It doesn't say this in the Bible, and I tried to see if it had it mentioned it in the Greek, but I don't think it mentioned the term happy dance in the Greek, but I could see a little bit of a happy dance going on because he, remember my body language? He took that step towards Jesus. So, Obeying God brings joy. So the question is, which of those three steps? I talked about them before. Which of those three steps is God calling you to take tonight? Um, the step of going, just like Philip did. The step of obedience, getting baptized. Or the step of believing, like this Ethiopian eunuch did. The final, the final point. This is one of my favorite. Go ahead to the next slide, um, Jake. This is one of my favorites. And this point says, God moments aren't scheduled. You know, Philip did not wake up that morning and plan and plan to, to meet this guy. He didn't plan to be going on the road. He didn't even plan to hear from God. It just happened. I've put up, I put up here a picture of every, month, like every two months or so, we do this thing called Hot Pursuit here. And what we do is we tell all the life groups that meet, go do something. We did it this time. Go pick up people and take them to Chick-fil-A. You go do a service project in your neighborhood. Go do something. And... Um, Wyatt's group headed this up. My group, we kind of joined up, joined along too. They were like, let's pick up some backpack kids that live downtown and do a block party and get their parents to come. And, and, um, and they threw it all together, and we weren't planning for many people. You know, 15, 20, that'd be a success. You know how many people showed up that Monday night, this past Monday night? 70, not including our people. That was a God moment, and it was Musgrave's night to share the gospel, and the power of God came on Musgrave, and he delivered a very spirit-filled presentation of the gospel. That was a God moment. We didn't, you know, there, was some, there was some plans to do something, but we didn't foresee anything like that because God moments aren't planned. Look down at your Bible here. I want to show you something really cool. The whole story, here's how this goes. Look at verse 27. He started out, Philip, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Skip down to the next verse. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. This is the eunuch. And on his way home, he just happened to be sitting in his chariot. 
Flip over to verse 36. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. You see how, you, you see how this works? Philip's just doing what God told him to do. He was just walking. He was, he was being obedient to God. He had no idea where he was going. But as he was going, he had the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. This Ethiopian eunuch, he had no idea where he was going either. He's like, I got to go home. The queen's going to need me to give her some money, so I got to get home. And as he was taking a little pit stop on the side of the road at the rest area on mile marker number 55 of the desert highway in his chariot, he was reading the book of Isaiah, and this guy comes that could totally explain it to him. He believes in Jesus, and they start walking together. And as they start walking together, as they're walking, there just so happens to be a pool of water in the desert. A pool of water. Have you ever been in a desert? Ain't no pools of water in a desert. They dry up like that. But there just so happened to be a pool of water, and this Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. You know, you had a rough day, and you were like, man, I don't think I'm going to go to church tonight. But something inside you was like, just show up. You know, Matt's going to text you anyway if you don't show up. So just show up, you know. Um, or, you know, your friend's been bugging you to go to church for like the past four weeks. And you're like, you know what? Just to shut him up, I'm going to go to church tonight. You didn't schedule it, but you know what? God did. God did. God wants you, wherever you are spiritually, to take that next step. So the question is, what step is God calling you to take? Um, one of the first step that God is calling some of us Christians to take is the step of go. The step of go. You know what's sad? Here we go. Here's what's sad. This has become the default Christian position in America. God did not create this to be the default Christian position. God did not create this to be the normal Christian position. You know what the command is that God told us to do in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20? Was it sit there for? You sure about that? You sure about that? What was the command? Anybody know that one? What did he say in Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Sword drill. Okay, we got it. Jackson will beat you, Avery. Go. He said go. Some of us, the next step that God is calling us is to stand up and go and follow him. It's scary because you don't know what that's going to mean. God's telling you to get up and go and to share the gospel, but you're like, what, what, what's that going to look like? Who am I going to share the gospel with? Are they, is it going to be awkward? Are they going to tell me no? Are they God did not ask you to figure it all out. He just told you to go. So for some of you, your next step is to go. The next step for some of you is to obey. What did immediately, what did this Ethiopian eunuch realize his need to do after he was saved? Well, he did rejoice, but something before that. What was his, what was his need to do? What did he need to do? He realized it. He needed to be baptized. It was kind of one of those things I thought, you know, I was, I was telling you earlier, Christians, we think that's kind of if you're not a Christian, you may think that's kind of weird. But what it symbolizes is that there was an old you, a sinful you. But when Jesus died, your old sinful nature died with him. And now you're raised to walk in a new life, a life with purpose, in a life with hope. And what was Jesus' 
command. He said, repent and what? Repent and be baptized. So if before you can go, you got to be obedient to the first command, and it's be baptized. You know, I think sometimes it's very awkward to be baptized. We have a, a larger church and a pretty big auditorium. And I'll never forget when I was baptized, I was 11 years old. The heater went out in the baptistry. And I just remember standing there shivering as pastor's hand was on me. I just remember his hand felt so nice and warm because I was so cold. And that was back when we were in a, we weren't in the building we're in now. We were in an older building. And it was like, you know, 200, 300 people. And it was scary. And everybody was looking at me. But the thing that made it easier for me was my dad was like right there behind me. So if you've never been baptized, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, what I would like for us to do is have a night where it's a teen baptism service, where it's not just going to be you that's getting baptized, but a couple of your friends will be with you too, and you can stand together. So if you've never been baptized, what I'd like to ask you to do is, at, once we kind of scatter here, um, will you talk to Kate and give her your name, and we're going to work on putting together um, a baptism class and then um, a night where we can all do that together as a youth group. And then the final step that we want to talk about, maybe for some of you, this is the step that God is calling you to take, and it's the step of believe. You came here tonight, and it's no accident. God is calling you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other name that can save you but Jesus. There was, you, you are, the Bible says we're all sinners, we're all dead in our sins, the penalty for sin is death. We're enemies from God because of the things that we've done wrong. We have turned our back to God. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son from heaven down to earth to live as a human, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross. And literally, your sin died on the cross when Jesus died on the cross. And when he rose from the dead, it was like the check cleared the bank. There is forgiveness and there is salvation in Jesus. Will you believe tonight? So we're going to pray, and then we're going to have a shorter tag tonight, and then we're going to get out of here. But just go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to close my eyes too. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus tonight, that's the step that you know you need to take. You've been coming to church for a year now, and you haven't put your faith. You haven't prayed and said, Jesus, I believe in you. I'll just invite you to do that tonight. And also, I want you to pray. If you have never been baptized, I want you just to take a minute and pray and, and ask God to give you the courage to take that next step in your walk with him. And then finally, Christians who've been baptized, I'd like you to pray that God gives you the courage to go, even though you're not sure what the future holds, that you'll trust him and you'll, you'll be obedient. So let's all pray together. Father, thank you that we don't have to figure life out. We know you've got it figured out. Uh, thank you that in order to find purpose, in order to find direction, we just we need to get lost in you. Um, God, I pray as people are struggling right now, trying to decide whether or not they're going to trust you and embrace you or whether they're going to stay the way they've always been. Father, I pray that they won't settle, that they won't settle for what the world has but they'll choose you. 
I pray that you'll bless our tag time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.